Our scripture reading this morning is from the New Testament, Luke chapter 10, verses 25 to 37. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? He answered, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, And who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. This is the word of God for the people of God. This is a familiar story to most of us, so what can I say that's going to be different? And, even more confusing, why is the title Blinders Off? Bear with me a few minutes, and I hope I will make both of those points apparent. As many of you know, I'm retired from the military, and one of my assignments was in Maryland. And in Maryland, there are three horse racetracks, all really close to each other in Laurel, in Bowie, and in Baltimore. And I loved going to the horse races. And if you ever really watched, a lot of horses have blinders on. The whole idea is that they don't get distracted from anything to the either side of them. They keep their focus on the end, on the goal, on the finish line, and they get there. That's good for some horses, and Sometimes it's good for us, but not always. With this familiar story, I'd like to focus on four people that a lot of times we don't really focus on. The first is the lawyer, the lawyer who was asking Jesus the questions. Now, this lawyer isn't the kind of lawyer that we're used to. He's not secular legal things like criminal matters or contracts or wills. 
He's probably much more like a scribe, someone who's an expert in Old Testament law. He'd be very similar to a seminary professor now who teaches the preachers. He really wasn't looking for an answer. He was simply trying to put Jesus in his place and make himself look good in front of the crowd. You see, as far as he was concerned, if anybody was going to have eternal life, it was him. He already had it. And we know this because it says that he stood up to test Jesus, giving Jesus a test about the matter of salvation. He was expecting Jesus to say that he didn't know, or maybe saying something really bizarre that he could stand up and say, ha, you're wrong. Because the fact was, no one had any assurance of salvation prior to Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. And everybody was waiting for the judgment day to reveal where they stood. And so, rather than answer his question, Jesus asked him a question. What's written in the law, and how do you read it? So the lawyer says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and you should love your neighbor as yourself. So Jesus says, you've got the right answer. Do this, and you will live. Did you get that? Jesus says, you're absolutely right. And if you want to be saved, then all you have to do is love God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all your strength and all of your mind, and then to love your neighbor as much as you love yourself. When you've done this, you've got nothing to worry about at all. Now, if anybody thinks they have actually done this, you don't have a clue what Jesus was talking about. You see, Jesus was saying he needed to love God with everything he had and in everything he did, and then love his neighbor as much as he loves himself. And he was to, to call for absolute perfection from the day you're born until the day you die. That's impossible for most of It's impossible for any human. Now, this lawyer understood what Jesus was saying, and that's why it says, wanting to justify himself, he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Now, what I want you to notice, he skipped over about how he was to love God with everything he was and everything he did and moved on to his neighbor. It's almost like he said, don't worry about me and God, we're all right. But let's talk about my neighbor. Who are these neighbors? Is it the guy next door? Is it the whole block? And then rather of giving him a direct answer, Jesus told this familiar parable. So the second person I want to talk about is the man who was robbed and beaten. Was this his own fault? 
Did he get what he deserved, or was he an innocent victim? The poor Jewish man on the road to Jericho was the victim of thieves who wounded him and left him as dead. How could he be blamed? It was pure misfortune, wasn't it? But that way, that road that led from Jerusalem to Jericho was always infested by robbers. Some historians tell us that it was called the Bloody Way because of all of the frequent highway robberies and murders which were committed there. So some people would say it was his own fault for going there by himself. But the truth is, should we choose not to act or not to help this poor man, even if we think that some of the fault lies on himself? I don't think so. Now third, let's look at the priest and the Levite. Although they're both religious men, they didn't stop to help. The priest and the Levite would doubtlessly justify their lack of real love and concern with all kinds of excuses, much as we do every day. Since the man on the road is discerned as being half dead, they may have thought he'd already died, and they didn't want to defile themselves by touching a dead body. They could argue that it would be unbiblical for them to stop. If the man was in fact dead, they would be ritually defiled and thus unable to perform their religious functions without going through the inconvenient procedure of ceremonial cleansing. Because the ritual for getting clean again was a big hassle and took a long time, so that would be really inconvenient for the priest and the Levite. They would say that it could have been dangerous for them as well. The robbers might still be in the area. And if you remember, they're going from Jerusalem to Jericho. Jerusalem is where the temple was, where they served. And oftentimes the priest would serve for a month. So he was probably heading home to his family in Jericho. So number one, he wanted to get home. He hasn't seen his family for a month. And they're waiting for him. Second, he probably has his salary with him. And he's worried about these robbers maybe getting him on the way too. So, conveniently, he just kept moving. They could also justify the neglect of the injured man because of their interpretation of the law. The law of love put them at, under no obligation to those outside their own race and religion. But did either of these guys go to get any help? No. They just kept moving. For these two guys, it was all about inconvenience. So they just looked, went around him, and kept going. The first strategy adopted by the priest and the Levite in leaving this wounded person is the, I don't do any harm. Um, it's, it's simply done by turning God's commandment to love your neighbor into something that's a little less demanding, like, I'm not going to harm anybody. But the fact that we haven't mistreated our neighbor doesn't mean that we have shown them love. 
Another well-used strategy is the charity begins at home. That limits are set in applying God's commandment of love. And the Jews of Jesus' time were very good at this. They were very racist and sexist in their outlook, and they were selective on those that they loved. Jesus used a masterstroke when he selected the Samaritan, though, as the hero of the story. It left this Jewish expert almost speechless. The reason was that the Jews held the Samaritans under utter contempt. The Jews looked down on them as members of a corrupt race, a nation of half-breeds. They were publicly cursed in the synagogues as heretics, and there was no love lost between the two races. If Jesus had told this story of a Jew helping a Samaritan, it would have made a powerful point. But to turn it on its head as he did and portray, and portray two pillars of the Jewish establishment as being non-neighbors and a Samaritan, a hated Samaritan, as being a true neighbor was radical teaching. Now... Now's the time where the blinders come in, or hopefully come off. The lawyer's blinders are the law and his self-righteousness. He's ready to judge others, not to love or help them. The priest and the Levite wear the blinders of being too busy, not getting involved, and let's not get dirty. We, too in our day, can easily become selective as to who benefits from the expressions of our Christian love. It's easy to raise barriers as to who is qualified for our caring. Jesus warned his disciples about this, about restricting their hospitality to only those who can return it. It's much harder to show love to those who appear as unlovely. It's only when we see these neighbors as beloved of God that our self-made barriers will collapse and our blinders will come off. We live in a suffering world. There are people everywhere that are wounded and hurting. Some have been robbed by parental failure. Others have been left half dead as a result of their own folly and choices of evil. Some have been damaged by false teaching or let down by so-called Christians. We've come across them very often in our daily contacts. We, ne we, we never know when the opportunity will come for us to be their neighbor. So what should we do? What we see in the Good Samaritan is a genuine Christ-like attitude. Today, we don't lack opportunities to be good Samaritans, but we must first see the needs, feel the compassion, and be willing to be inconvenienced in order to give our time and resources to help. As we allow the love of Jesus to flow through our hearts, we will understand more and more what it means to love our neighbor. We need to take our blinders off, those things which keep us from seeing people as our neighbors. 
A lot of you know that I'm, I attend the contemporary service, and I love contemporary Christian music. Well, Jeremy Camp has a new song out that's called Keep Me in the Moment. And I'd like to tell you some of the words. Take a little piece of that song, and I think it's very applicable to this. It says, Lord, keep me in the moment. Help me live with eyes wide open, because I don't want to miss what you have for me. Lord, show me what matters. Throw away what I'm chasing after, because I don't want to miss what you have for me. Pastor Amy always gives us a challenge in her sermons, and I think that's a great thing. So I thought I would try it too, and I think this one's going to be pretty obvious. Let's identify some of the blinders that we wear, those things that keep us from seeing people as our neighbors or acting on what we see. Let's take those blinders off. As we look over the ways that God wants us to open ourselves to the needs around us, which one is the biggest struggle for you? When you see someone who needs help, what prompts you to act? Or what keeps you from helping? At that moment, what seems more important than meeting that person's need? Let's find those blinders and let's take them off. Amen.